Right, so the next album we're going to cover in this deep dive is Phlebotomized with their 1994 release, Immense Intense Suspense. <laughs> now, Phlebotomized, well, at the time of this album, because they've always had a bit of a, a, a rotating lineup, are a seven piece avant garde experimental death metal band from Rosenberg, South Holland. Uh, so, this album was released in September 1994 on Cyber Music, which is a Dutch label. Um, now, talking of strange albums, this album ranks all the way up there. I have been... Now, for bottomize, there's so much I could say about this album. For Dude, anybody I who's just... ever listened to this fucking album, it has got the most insane amount of tempo changes, oh, transitions. Go off, King. It's fucking absolutely <laughs> bonkers. And the weird thing is, before I get into this album, I just want to talk a little bit about this band, is this isn't even the weirdest album in their discography. No. Have you ever listened to Sky Contact? Yeah. Second? It's fucking so strange. <laughs> so weird. Like, it's got, like, full, like, proper, like, it got weird song titles, like, I, I stole cookies. your cookies at the disco. <laughs> and, like, and, and the last four tracks are, like, a four-part, track with the same like melody and refrain just yep. played different, different like it's so odd so, so this so odd. album isn't as goofy as sky contact <laughs> no this album is there's a sky contact i do love in its own unique way yeah and i just find it hilarious that when they've reissued this album it's been reissued with sky contact <laughs> just thinking that someone's listened to immense intense suspense well, the, and immediately went on to sky contact and they're just like that's what i did because <laughs> this album isn't on spotify at the moment the band recently posted saying that they're trying to get it back on spotify um but i bought it you can go to the phlebotomized band camp and you can buy both this album and Sky Contact for I think it was like three pound fifty on Bandcamp. So I employ That's you a steal. go and do that because it's well, well worth it. Just for this album alone, Sky Contact's a bonus because this album is fucking dope. It's so good. It's <laughs> such a good album, and we've got. I'll tell you, we're gonna do a quick, uh, quick head count of who we've got in the band at the recording of this album. So you got the brilliantly named Ben Quack <laughs> on, on keyboards, uh, Dennis Geestman on vocals, uh, Patrick Vandersee on bass. Lawrence Payne, drums and lyrics. Uh, Jordi Middlebosch on guitars. Middlebosch. Uh, Tom Palms on guitars, who I believe is the, the one main... founding member. Yeah. So he is the remaining founding <laughs> member. And uh, Martin Post on violin. Now, um, it's funny because it's... When you hear violins, I always think of bands like My Dying Bride and that have incorporated. There's, yeah. There's moments on this album that super just straight up sound like my dying bride but not the whole thing for sure yeah no but i think what this band manages to do with the violins is much in a similar kind of way of how disembowelment don't get caught up in the tropes of you know mm. some of the death doom kind of um cliches like i think the the violins are used well one quite well, i wouldn't say sporadically but bizarrely like it's yeah. just there's some Real moments in here where the violins punctuate like yeah. some some bizarre rhythm sections, or yeah. and it's just and the synths are super prominent in the mix as well. They they do really weird. There's like one song where they're accentuating the guitar riff with a xylophone patch on the keyboard, yeah, and it's like ding ding ding. <laughs> but it works. It yeah. weirdly works. It's, it doesn't sound shit. It sounds great. It's it's. I fucking love this album. I, I can't remember how I did, how I even discovered for bottom eyes. Because you you have a shirt for this album cover, I do, right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. You, I think we were interviewing cam and you wore that shirt and i spent the whole episode 
behind the camera looking at your shirt going, what's that fucking band, man? It's a cool album cover. It's, it's a like great this creature al- that looks a bit like Gollum. Yeah, from it's Lord like of a the Rings Gollum on the thing on a, on a mountain or something. And then the, oh, the, the logo is this gorgeous orange color. Yeah. Oh, so it's a good logo. Like it's a nice like design as well. And it's, um, interestingly, like, it's, they, they've got such a strange progression as a band because I think their last EP they released, because they've reformed after, like, almost like a 20-year absence, um, is a bit more similar to some of their earlier demos, which are far more steeped in, like, the more <laughs> traditional, like, oh, okay. autopsy-esque, like, death doom yeah. kind of sounds, whereas this album is kind of firing on all cylinders, but there's just so much interesting stuff I th- happening. So I just looked it up. I think, I think the only member of the band left now since they reformed is Tom Palms. Yeah, I think everyone else is gone. He's got new guys, yeah. but I didn't realize that Sky Contact is mostly the same lineup. I think it's the same. I, if I remember correctly, I think the violinist of... left and was replaced by somebody yeah. that, that started handling bass duties. And yeah, that's right, Jarrow Jarrow Stuhl Rajta. Yeah, yeah. But apart from that, I think it's the same members, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is interesting because they're how different the terms are, but. Yeah. But it's so this, this, this album starts with Barricade, which I love this fucking track. Um, can I just say for the record, some of some of the the grooves in the rhythm section in this album are so fucking catchy. Ah, oh, there's like, some fantastic riffs on this. Album. Overall, I actually think it's a really really catchy album, and yeah. it's something that should totally w- should not work on paper. But it's just got it manages to somehow pull all these elements. And things that were relatively new to the table at the time, yeah, and create this concoction of like, you know, like, like, <laughs> doomy avant-garde death metal that just it just totally fucking slaps. I love it. Yeah. Well, this was released three years after Nevermind, <laughs> which is how I'm just going to look at all death metal now. Yeah. No, it's yeah. just really fucked me up because I think I thought in my head that Nevermind came out in like '95. <laughs> it's just really fucking me up to think that it came out in '91. Yeah, no, it's... Um, yeah, do you know what? Because I used to think that as well. And so I think I looked yeah. it up one day and was just like, oh, it was actually a bit earlier. I just imagined that the first the first couple of years of the 90s was just all sick death metal. Nothing, nothing else came out apart from that and like, uh, you know, some Paul Abdul songs and then that was it. And then Nevermind came out. <laughs> but I think it's... I just want to give people a taste of what they're in for on this album. So there's a part where you've got... Um, there's like a really sick, like, pummeling... Well, firstly, you get really like morose, clean vocals that sound like Hetfieldian in tone. Those, those, the clean vocals—they're ever so slightly out of tune in the in the first bit. But I love it personally. I, love it. I think they're great. And that there's something about that melody where it is like the first time you hear it, a little bit like ooh, and then like the thing is like later that day, I promise you, you will just find yourself singing them to yourself. <laughs> The, they're fantastic because I think that's one thing I read in interviews like they're obsessed with melody yeah. in this band and they're like we really like heavy riffs but it was like I really loved um, reading interviews with Tom Palm Tom Palms um, like more like latter day interviews he seems like a very jovial funny kind of cute human being oh okay he cool, seems it. really fun oh, I've, 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 I think I saved some, some classic I love that excerpt you were saying earlier yeah yeah it was the, really yeah. funny there was this interview like where someone interviewing um the couple of the guys from the new Insta version of Phobotomize and the interviewer was like, there was so much exciting music going on in the early nineties. And he's like, did you, you know, did you guys catch the train of like what was going on? And then like Tom Palms is just like the interviewer is called Alex and Tom Palms like, no, 
Alex, we did not catch the train. <laughs> we did not. No, we didn't. We weren't picked up. We played a couple of good gigs and that was it. We were three hours too early. <laughs> three hours. Yeah, and got just, the wrong train. No one, no one liked what we were doing. Yeah. yeah, but we had fun. And it's like, it's really cute. And he was just like, I really like that, you know, he's just saying they've always been obsessed with it, things being heavy. And, and he was like, and they listed all the classic. They always thought that they always loved like Morbid Angel and Autopsy and all these bands. But yeah, they always wanted things to be like melodic as well. And that was what they were pursuing. That's obviously why they had so many members in the band too, because they're pursuing melody. Yeah. You know. Which is, you know, it's, it's interesting. Because you think, 1994, um, At The Gates dropped um, Slaughter of the Soul in 95 or 96. Yeah. Right? And that is like the perennial blending of uh, melody and uh, brutality. Yeah. You know, like of the Melodef scene. But in a, in, a, in, a, in a very commercial kind of veneer. Yeah. Um, but like, well, is it is it commercial? I mean, it's easy to look at Slaughter of the Soul and call it commercial now. But was it back then? See, I don't I think don't it was back think then. It was I think it's only then. because it's been aped by, by Kill Switch Engage and all that stuff. It's really easy yeah. to look at Slaughter of the Soul and be like, oh, this is so commercial. But like, I don't think it was, man. Like, I think when like uh, In Flames were doing like uh, like fucking uh, Clayman and all that shit, and I can't believe yeah. it. You know, it yeah. wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't. It was only because they like actively pursued that, or like you know, I think obviously at the gates were like, oh holy fuck, a lot of people like this album. Let's play a lot of fucking, <laughs> yeah. You know, I got a lot of respect for that band as well. They always stuck to their guns and never really like. And apparently, like they seem like really nice guys. Yeah, no, and so you know, I've I've got. They've always been one of my favorite bands, and there's some strange parallels because you listen to the first two at the gates albums, mm. particularly the first one with the Red Skies Hours, and they have a violinist. No, yeah, I've never listened to. I, I have to be honest, I'm not a huge at the gates guy. Yeah, but I think that's just because I never really got into like that Melodef thing. It never really stuck with me. Their first two albums are really interesting because the first one is Doomier and has a lot more parallels with Phlebotomized. No way, than that's it does with the later Melodef so they're scene. Sweet, they're Swedish, aren't they? They're from yeah. Gothenburg, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the second album with Fear I Kissed to Burn in Darkness is like a really kind of like. It's got more like akin to like Dismember and a lot of other a lot of the other Swedish bands at the time, but it's really abrasive and raw production. But there's some hidden gems in that album. Damn, I have to check but, that out. But the interesting thing, yeah, so Red Sky Vows has they had a violinist back then, so it's at the gates had a violinist. That's mind blowing. Yeah, so there that. was, a th- and you, you could tell that there was something stirring in the waters around about that time. Yeah, that were that bands were for every band that was trying to become heavier or more technical or, or slower, like, you know, your, your developments, yeah. your slam bands. You had oh. bands that were pushing the envelopes out into other I mean, dude, sounds. like, Sweden must have been fucking insane back then, right? Mental, like, yeah. fucking Entombed, like, um, Opeth. Yeah, fucking like Grave. I fucking love Grave. Grave, yeah, yeah. Like, there's so many bands came out around then from there. Like, yeah. especially, like, yeah, obviously the whole Gothenburg sound kind of thing but yeah for a bottom eyes so we um, i can't remember mentioned it but they're dutch right they are dutch yeah and yeah, uh what is... other great dutch bands are there's like pestilence dutch aren't they pestilence are dutch you've got uh, sinister are quite a good dutch death metal band i don't really know sinister i know the name but yeah. i've listened to them yeah, yeah um you've got um creep mine creep mine yeah. <laughs> and that's another album i'd love to do on one yeah, of these in future. that'd be a great one no one's heard of creep mine stupid fucking name but what a sick band asphyx Oh, of course. Halo Bullets are sick. Oh, Halo Bullets are actually yeah. from... That makes sense as well. Uh, no. Yeah, anywhere, anyone where someone in the band's got a name where it's like Vanda or whatever, yeah. they're either South African or Dutch. Or Dutch. <laughs> yeah, <it's so> true. <laughs> but I think... So, going back to this album, what I wanted to just... Because I really... For those... For the uninitiated, those who've never listened to this album, I want to just give them a little taster of the sort of things you experience in this first track. <laughs> 
So you've got this really sick, like groovy, pummeling rhythm section with like loads of triplets yeah. and like double bass hits. And then it kind of stops these hardcore gang vocals coming. Yeah, the gang vocals, yeah. yeah. And then that immediately transitions into a violin Fist section pumping. with oh, like yeah. a real like melodic Paradise Lost style. Yeah. And it's oh, just like, what yeah. the fuck? I've had like they, a death metal riff. Yeah. Gang vocals, a yeah. violin, it's clean so vocals. It's like, so good, man. So it. much shit going on. And like the first track, I think Barricade is a, actually, even though it's not my favorite track on the album, I think it's a perfect uh, encapsulation of the album as a whole. It's a yeah, great it's introduction really to the album. I think, I think I'd argue, I think if, if I was going to tell someone to listen to a standalone song from this album, I'd tell them to listen to Dubbed for Swear. Oh, it's my favorite Because it's such a good fucking such track, dude. It's so fucking good. So good. I and, think um, that another thing I love about this album is you're talking about weird time signatures and stuff. The guy you can hear the guy counting in and he counts in in six eight yeah. the first section's in six eight. Oh, is it which is yeah. great yeah which yeah. is not like a yeah. regular ass time signature it's not yeah. like every song's in fucking six eight you know what i mean i just yeah. as a musician i just love that i'm like oh that's really cool and then you're like counting out the section when it comes in you're like, that's sick so from like a musician's perspective like is is there a lot in this guitar work that appeals to you then oh yeah like yeah. hugely i'm a big fan of like i love like blending things and you can't necessarily always figure out where they're from. Yeah. Because I think that's something I really love um, about Yob. Oh, yeah. Because, like, I'm I'm a big... Like, I think with uh, Mike Scheidt, he he was a big... Like, growing up, he loved hardcore and, like, metal and death metal. And he was, like, the kid at hardcore shows with long hair. And everyone's like, what the fuck are you doing here, loser? Uh, that was me, dude. I used to go to hardcore shows all the time with long hair. And people were like, you fucking hippie. <laughs> you <Yeah. know>? <laughs> <laughs> I was just... Uh... And then when I had short hair, I'd go to metal shows and they'd be like, fuck off, you fucking yeah. whatever, you pretty boy or whatever. Yeah. Like, it didn't matter. Like, it just never fit in. No one gives a shit now. Nah. No one cares. But like that that alone, that an album came out at like 94 yeah. with like hardcore gang vocals and like a violin is yeah. weird. Like yes. people don't get like now everything's a melting pot and it's really normal. I, I love that personally. I think it's yeah. fantastic that finally no one gives a fuck what you wear, what you look like, how many members you're about. Oh, I mean, I care. Yeah. If, a ba- if a band hasn't got one member with long hair, like they better be playing hardcore, yeah. and even most hardcore bands have guys with long hair in them now. I think it's. I think the worst is when you've got like if you've got loads of members up short hair and they're still trying to do the windmill hag bang. Yeah, yeah, I'm just yeah. thinking like it just doesn't look right. It just looks like a worm trying to get out the dirt. <laughs> yeah, you better be you better be bald or have long hair or be like yeah, <laughs> yeah or like or just yeah. look tight. You've got to either be Dude. large, skinny, or jacked. Those are the three body types. You, you can't be normal sized in the metal scene. Last gig I was talking. I was talking to a guy that came to see us and there was another one of the other bands was playing and this this guy was talking to me he was just like there was a band i said i'm not going to throw him under the bus and it's not my personal opinion but it made me laugh and this guy they all had like short office haircuts and the guy he came up to me he's like these dudes all just fucking look like fucking accountants man <laughs> he was just like, they don't these people like fuck off if you're not going to try don't bother <laughs> i respect that man i think that's a really like yeah like commit to the bit yeah. But I, I mean, it's easy for me to say my whole life is like, I'm a metal guy. Yeah. If I can't get a fucking job with like, where I can look like this, I'm like, oh, well, guess I'll fucking starve. I don't give a shit. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. But these people like, it's so clear from reading interviews and stuff. Like Tom is like a metal fucking guy and like, they just lived the life and they were so passionate about it. And I, I love that dude. You can hear, you can hear. There's a, a word I use a lot and like when I'm talking about a lot of my favorite music now is joyous. Yeah. This album is joyous. You can yeah. hear how much the people playing this album are enjoying playing instruments and playing music together. Yeah, I think you're right. Because it, it's it's in, in many ways, it's kind of like, even though you can argue it's got similarities in terms of like genre definements to disembowelment, it's like sonically, it's it's like an antithesis almost. 
Like, yeah. it, it is more joyous sound. And there are moments, like I think when we get to the last track, Gone, the, you know, the ballad, I think there is some, some like, it, even though the vocals can come across as quite corny, <laughs> I think it sounds achingly sad. But we'll yeah. get to that in a bit. But it's, um, I just, and speaking of the vocals, actually, like, I love the vocals on this album. I love, like, I think, you know, you can't underestimate how pioneering this band was for a lot of things they were doing. Yeah. And what you said, like, you know, this is why I think it's so important to cover albums like this. Yeah, because there are bands that were doing shit that is popular now that don't get the credit for what they were doing. Like this band was doing clean vocals, like crooning, like Michael Ackerfeld style cleans. Yeah. Mm. And 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 other vocal styles such as like your classic death metal grunts, like you know, much in the same way, um, you know, this band would have been around about the, uh, would have been around the same time as Edge of Sanity. So while Dan Swano yeah. was doing like the clean vocal and harsh vocal okay. mix-ups, like this band were so, around at the same time doing that as well. Yeah, Orchid came out in '95. Yeah, so so what? Like I think because wasn't uh, is, it, is it Edge of Sanity? Edge of Sanity. It yeah. is Edge of Sanity. Yeah, didn't wasn't Edge of Sanity a direct result of? Swano recording Opeth. Like, didn't he see... I, I'm not sure about Oh, that, no, actually. okay. No, because, like, the thing... I, re- I listened to a bunch of interviews with Dan Swano, and he said that, like, he basically kind of, like, had... He had, like, projects, and they would have, like, a name, and then, like, he would do a bunch of stuff with a bunch of other people, and he'd be, like... He was, like, in a record contract for Edge of Sanity, so he'd be, like, this is the new Edge of Sanity album. But like, uh-huh. like, is it Crimson? Is the big one, isn't it? Yeah, because that's yeah. Like Crimson came track, out in '96. Yeah, yeah Pur- Purgatory Afterglow. It was fucking. That came out in '94. So that came out the same year as this. Purgatory Afterglow is weird, man. Like half it sounds like Buffy the Vampire Slayer music. Oh, it's but bizarre. Isn't it's it? weird. Yeah. Yes, but yeah, the Crimson is the the classic Edge of Sanity album. I think everyone goes to, and that yeah. was '96. Yeah, because that's yeah, because like even Swano says himself, he's like, yeah, I worked with Opeth, and I was like, oh, this was what I was trying to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. oh, this was what I was trying to do. Yeah, you guys got it. Okay, cool. So yeah, for bottomized, this came out '94 before Orchid. Yeah. And it's just, and as far as I'm aware, like, you know, like, I don't know what the fuck was in the water in the Netherlands at the time, but like, it's, yeah. uh, like, I know, I know more about the Netherlands scene through their black metal bands, because they Oh, interesting. A, what Dutch me- black metal bands are there, then? Uh, you got Dodecahedron, um, you got Tazij the Horde, um, <laughs> Fluristars, probably butchering the name of that. Um, lots of good bands. Basically, okay. I got into a lot of them when I went to Roadburn, because they had like a, a, a showcase and a curation on one of their stages in mm. the uh, the Het Patronat, which is the stained glass church. Right. They put on black oh, okay. metal all day. Yeah. And it was just fucking sick. And like uh, the bands are pretty like righteous. They're not involved in any of the, the, the more um, uh, sketchy shit like yeah. other bands, as oh, far as I'm aware anyway. Yeah, yeah. But it's, well, you, uh, they're, they're performing at Roadburn, you said, right? They were, yeah. So this yeah, was when I, mean, I went to Roadburn in 2019. So it was... It Roadburn was... try to do due diligence with bands. They try not to put people on who have shitty beliefs. They at oh, least yeah. make an effort where some, there's a lot of people who are just not even trying. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's good, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think Roadburn are quite like, you know, like socially conscious like that, yeah, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is pretty good. Um, but yeah, man, fucking going back to Phlebotomized. So I mean, that's the first track. You've got the Could... second track. Weird, weird song titles as well. Yeah. Uh, Could... Desecration of Alleged Christian History. <laughs> yeah, I love that one. <laughs> That's a great one. Uh, can I just say quickly, just to interject, I totally was listening to this going, oh, this band Love Paradise Lost. I didn't re- realise. So Gothic came out in 91, but then like Icon didn't come out till like 93. Yeah. And then Draconian Times didn't come out till 95. So I thought like Paradise Lost were around since like 88, 89 doing demos and stuff, but I doubt they were like permeating 
Every, I don't know. I can't remember yeah. when, like, how far back they got, like, big. But I think, like, Icon was when they really started to go off, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but that's only, like, a year before this. So it probably didn't have as much impact on this as I would have initially thought. No, Listening to this, thought so. I thought that they had a lot of influence on them, which yeah. is interesting. And it's funny, because I do think, like, you know, that those are the main three that are cited as, like, the the main influences of that sort of style, really. You've got Anathema, uh, My Dying Bride, Paradise Lost, right? They're, they are massively influential, like, across the pond and and many other countries. But, yeah, I mean, like, with, given how close in time this album was released, like, it, you know, because you would yeah. think, like, you, I mean, they would have to have heard the album and then decided to record an album directly influenced by it, yeah. you know, in the space of... A few months. Yeah, I mean, that to a year seems at the most. unlikely. Yeah, like Turn Loose the Swans came out in 93. Yeah. Like a year before this. So there's probably, yeah, there's probably like had way... Yeah, not only that, it came out in October of 93. So for Bottom of Eyes to have kind of got their shit together, I doubt the turnaround. You know what I mean? Like for them to have been influenced by them, they'd have to write all of this fucking complicated ass music and record it. Yeah. Uh, by September of the following year, which seems kind of unlikely to me. Being a band that's fucking trying our hardest to write like more material, it's taken fucking years. But that's, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. another story. But yeah, but it's uh, so second track, desecration of alleged Christian history. This is probably the most synth-heavy tracks. There's a lot of interesting synths here. There's you got some parts that sound a bit like a church organ. You've got like a, a really cool section where it's like it's full on blasting with like like mini, with like minimalist piano keys going off yeah, the back. I love that. Dude. It's just like ah this sounds that's, so cool. That yeah that's when they did that I was like oh this is so fucking interesting. Yeah that's the bit yeah it's just full on blasting and it's like, it's like yeah cuz that yeah. I remember hearing that and just being like this band is so fucking clever. They're taking full advantage cuz the guitars aren't overpowering that bit either. Yeah, and like traditionally with that kind of blasting you'd think they'd be playing there's a lot of other bits in this album where they're like they're doing the trip you know but they they the guitars kind of purposefully ease off to let you really soak in this really interesting texture of the keyboards and the drums blasting simultaneously you know which is yeah really cool yeah yeah it's just so fucking good um just once again the amount of transitions it's just absolutely ridiculous um and then i want to say as well like like the bass work on this album is really good as well yeah it's fantastic it's like some proper like alex webster-esque <laughs> like kind of like spider spidery <laughs> bass work going on here it's just like the musicianship is actually top notch it really is yeah i have to i have to agree it's fantastic across the whole thing it's beautiful and then what have we got then we move on to our i think both our favorite tracks yeah dubbed forswearer i found out what this song's about Oh, gone. Ac by accident, uh, by accidentally, um, I read. Um, it was really funny because that interview I was reading. One of the questions was, "Oh wait, did I quote the source? Oh, the quote. It's a Russian website, Darkside.ru. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, uh, the question was, "Your logo was designed by a guy called Mike Chung. Could you say a few words who he was and how you got in touch with him?" Which, which Tom said, <laughs> he said, Lawrence got to know the guy, but he wasn't interesting to us and to the band's history. We thank him for our logo, but beside that, there is not much to mention. Before I forget, dubbed for Swearer from the album Immense Intense Suspense is based on his characteristics. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> I don't really get what he means, but it made me laugh either way. I thought you'd appreciate that. Uh, but it's uh it's once again just like musically all over the place but just still absolutely just fantastic fucking, it's an absolutely righteous track yeah what's um, going on with the lyrics on this album let's just have a look at some of the lyrics i think get those up 
I love dark lyrics. If lyrics aren't on dark lyrics, I get really sad because I just love. I didn't even know dark lyrics were still going. Yeah, man, it's sick. I love it. I love it. I love the layout. I love the way they just have all the albums lyrics like just in a continuous thread. You don't have to fucking click through a million pages. It's great. It's um, yeah. I remember um, I used to uh, back in the days I used to print lyrics off of dark lyrics <laughs> for albums that I had burned onto CDs. So I was just like, oh, and yeah, used to try and write sick. like little booklets of my own, like line the notes and stuff. Oh, nice man! I and then I realised it was just far too much effort. Yeah, yeah. I just I think back that those days. I just yeah. Whenever I got paid from my like whatever job I was doing, because I've been working since I was like fourteen. I just always as soon as I got paid, I would just go to like HMV and just buy like CDs and DVDs yeah. and like old horror movies and shit. No, it's just <laughs> yeah, it's the best, man. Days. I love those days, man. Like a yeah. Saturday, you've a backpack and you go, I'm going down HMV. You're yeah. gonna get some fucking sick uh, shit. I remember one time I was uh, went to a HMV and bought Nasem's uh, Inhale Exhale and nice. the so-called Dead Children album Human Harvest. Yeah. I fucking left but... it on the bus. <laughs> so I had to go back and buy them again. I remember them thinking who's this fucking guy Yeah, <laughs> so bought the same album twice. Yeah, like, What's well, that? Yeah, that's really funny. Yeah. yeah. Who's this guy? Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean this for many reasons is probably my favourite track on the album. I really love like the kind of the emotive violin work it starts with. Um, and I just think, you know, a violin is an instrument that has so many textures and layers that mm. I think when utilized properly can be like such a, a good... It's such an emotive instrument. Oh, like it's so fantastic. much. And there's another band totally different from Phlebotomized that I think utilized it really well. They're kind of like proggy, techy band, uh, Nea Bliviscaris. Ah, yeah, great band. They've yeah. got their, yeah, love them. And their violinist, um, I can't remember the, the guy's name, the violinist slash clean vocalist does a great job of like, well, one, balancing both of those uh, tasks and just... You know, just add in something that isn't just a gimmick. It's a core element to right. the sound. That's a very good point. And that's something this band do very well. Because, um, like, sometimes, you know, and I, I think the reason that I personally struggle with a lot of, like, symphonic, like, shit, like metal, uh, not shit metal, and uh, symphonic <laughs> shit, um, is that, like, if keyboard players, like, overplay, and this band don't overplay, they've got, like, a million members, but they're not always all going at it you know what i mean yeah. the keyboard player knows when to like ease up and let the metal be metal and the the violinist knows to not be playing through every single part of the song but there's some bits like where that violin comes in and all the guitars are just doing like sustained chords and the, the cymbals are just crashing and then like the violin will just come with some epic fucking beautiful gothic kind of yeah. like yeah like the, yeah there's this like folky kind of influence that you know kind of yeah, it's just beautiful. Really well placed throughout the album. Yeah, it's just and do you know what? There's a part in this there's a part on this track that really um it's about four thirty five where it does transition and it sounds like a proper like rush Alex Lifeson style riff. And it really <laughs> reminds me of the camera eye from the moving pictures oh, album. That's that I love that fucking song. That's man. such a good that's track. Such a good track, yeah. Yeah, that that oh, I love that. Yeah, that arpeggiated riff where they're like moving the, the bass note around, like that's to give you this like different inflection. On that, it's such a cool idea. I love doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot it's... of that on the next lower now. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, um, I think it's just the combination of atmospheres as well. You know, this is a band that manages to, you know, blend like you know a really melodic kind of atmospheric sound with just just fun rhythmic grooves and just just 
incorporating so many different sounds and styles. Like, I just can't stop saying that enough. And, like, sometimes it can come across a bit cheesy, I think, especially in some of the synth work. Mm. But I think in its nature, synths are quite cheesy, especially when it's from a certain time period. <laughs> but I, I do like the way they blended it. I think they've done a good job. It is, and it does. But, yeah, I, I, I would implore anyone to listen to this album all the way through. And I would defy you not to enjoy it. It really is like I think you're. If you don't like it, then there's something kind of wrong with you, really. Because it's like it doesn't like. I hate cheesy shit. I really get put off by cheesy stuff very quickly and a lot. And this album didn't didn't put me off at all. Um, I I kind of love the lyrics because you can kind of tell that they're not like English isn't their native language. But oh I, yeah, I really love that. I was talking about um that band War from a Harlot's Mouth, which even the band name itself is like. When I first heard that, I was like, what the fuck does that mean? Yeah. Like, I really like, you know what? Like, if a band uses the word harlot in their lyrics, they're usually fucking morons. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah, yeah. you have to be like, women are bad. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you're an incel, it's basically like a really easy way to let people know you're an incel. But yeah. a wolf from a harlot's mouth was like that. They're not like that at all, despite having that weird name. But their lyrics sometimes don't make ultimate sense in English. Like, all their lyrics are, are in English, but sometimes their lyrics aren't the way you would normally string those words together, but they somehow get closer to the meaning despite yeah. using the words in the wrong way or yeah. like not in the proper way or whatever, you know, like I really like that about um, bands that aren't English or don't have English as their native language that, that write in English because they're sometimes they, they kind of cut to the quick and they kind of bang the nail on the head in a different way that really makes you think. And I, I really like that. I'm really a huge fan of that. And um, yeah. the lyrics on this album are a bit like that as well. And interesting, this dubbed for swearer, the lyrics seem to be about someone who's kind of like a daydreamer. And yeah. it's like, grievance, the cause of this life of lies, my happiness unlocking doors with symbolic keys, entering an unknown entity, swaying between two worlds, fantasy, I'm about to be swirled, green, green grass upon I lay, oh daydream, please lend me the way, lead me the way, all I wish that I'll march, eagerness messed up my mind, I'll try to get my act together, leaving the past way far behind, <laughs> I build my castles in the air, yeah, it's cool, like, yes, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. But once again, it just shows that, you know, like to be like in a death metal band, you don't have to employ the same usual tropes. It doesn't have to be all gore or horror based. Like you can incorporate yeah. other lyrical elements and have fun with it. And, it, you know, yeah. and it's still legit. Yeah. I mean, it's like only Carcass can make it work where you're reading a medical textbook and it sounds <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah. That's the only band it's where it's like. Some of their album titles Yeah. It's like. Amazing. Yeah, they're they're incredible. But like yeah, most other bands where they're like, Oh, I fucking cut the flesh, whatever. It's like yeah. you don't understand that violence is it's not shocking with no emotional connection. And like I think that as a society we've progressed past the need to just be shocking. Yeah. Like I can understand why being uh, being shocking was like um, rising up in the face of conservatism yeah. in the early 90s, which is what a lot of people don't really appreciate or understand about looking back at like old school brutal death metal is that yeah. a lot of that was in response to um, conservative politicians all around the world trying to strangle art and control what people could do. And we're seeing that kind of start to come back with like, uh, like in America, they're trying to take books out of libraries and stuff like this, you know, yeah. except now we've got the internet so people can just fucking go read whatever the fuck they want. Like it's yeah. stupid, but it does work. Like that is how people have been oppressed throughout history and how like a lot of different countries, nations and stuff have oppressed people is you make them more ignorant. You take away their, their tools to learn, to grow, to kind of learn from history and not repeat the same mistakes as the past. You keep people stupid. Um, you keep them eating bad food, all of this kind of stuff. Like it, it is a, 
it's coming back and it's kind of quite interesting yeah to, to look at that comparison three time and that was why a lot of those bands were doing that. i'm sure a lot of them were just fucking meatheads you know what i mean yeah, a lot yeah, of them were yeah. just like oh i just want to have a hacked in half you know because they were trying to be shocking and they didn't think about anything else but now people are actually kind of making people go okay cool well i mean i just the thing i don't fucking get right is that if you've got like a fucking girlfriend and you're in a band in the 90s and you're like oh yeah we've released a new album and it's like a fucking woman that's been hacked in half yeah. how's that girlfriend not turn and just be like fuck are you doing yeah yeah you know? I, I, know, but I guess I know, yes. society probably was just less like that i guess women felt less comfortable to be yeah, able to make calls like that or make statements well, like, and know, matured yeah, it was like, yeah hopefully i think we've just got to a point now where we realize that you know like shit like that is harmful and it's like you know like if you look at a band like Development, I think Development have, have like renounced a lot of their previous like song titles. And yeah, I respect stuff. that, dude. Yeah, like you know, like we've realised that the shit's actually you know what we thought was just you know like a bit of harmless fun is actually yeah. ended up being like you know is you know you can't you can't, the problem is you can't guarantee how other people are going to take it. Yeah, despite what your intentions are. Yeah, and that's that you can still be fucking brutal. That's like people act like, oh, things are being fucking mummy down and made weak and blah, 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 blah. I'm sorry. You don't need all that shit to be nah. fucking brutal. You know, nah. Bolt Throwers sang about how fucking shit war is. Yeah. And they're one of the most brutal bands that ever yeah, existed. Exactly. They didn't need to be like, yeah, like they were talking about like, it fucking sucks that like people are being killed and they're never getting to see their fucking children and families ever again. This fucking sucks. War yeah. is fucking stupid. And yeah, of course, there's still probably fucking bootlickers that are like, yeah, war. You know, <laughs> that's, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just like, you know, I think 1914 do a great job of kind of continuing that same kind of uh, sentiment yeah. as well. Man, I hope those guys are doing okay. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Fucking yeah. That's just crazy what's going on there at the moment. It's horrible. Um, right. So we've got the next track, In Search of Tranquility, which is kind of like an interlude as well. Mm hmm. Um, I think if you listen to this on for the Bandcamp page, this is actually combined with the next track, Subtle Disbalanced Liquidity. But it's actually two separate tracks on the original CD release. Oh, um, that's in, yes. No, it is. Because is In Search of Tranquility is the, it's like an acoustic guitar, right? Yes. And it's got the like, uh, bee, It's almost like a yeah, bit yeah, Call of Cthulhu, Metallica sort of yeah, 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 yeah. And then, and then uh, yeah, and then it's got like, just builds to a good atmosphere. And then you've got Subtle Disbalanced Liquidity, which is just sorts up furiously of just the band firing on all cylinders with like some yeah that's yeah, a fucking great just one. some great fucking synth going on Damn, in the back dude. before it once again transitions into some straight up gang vocals you know what's why i can't believe really ride the lightning because like metallica as much as i don't listen to them at all anymore I, I don't really care for what they do i did get into metal because of metallica and um ride the lightning was 1984 that's so wild when you think about it like yeah. all, all of these bands are just influenced by metallica yeah <laughs> and that's the thing isn't it, it it's, it's funny because it's um, when you see like the uh, or the parentage or the um, like the like the genealogy tree of metal and like you know so many bands it's funny because it's almost kind of cool to shit on Metallica a little bit now yeah. right oh uh, yeah yeah. and there's so many bands so many of your favourite bands were influenced by Metallica and you yeah. could just keep going further back Me, dude, my like first Metallica, band was a Metallica what? tribute band <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then you know like you know they were influenced by bands like you know, your Maidens your Priests your Sabbaths they were influenced by the Beatles like, Maidens you know. a big one everyone yeah like uh, in his interviews where to, uh, is it Tom he's, he's again like he's just like he he basically he says he's like when I heard Maiden's guitar twin guitar melodies he was like this is the best thing ever like he says that in interviews he's like Maiden yeah. Maiden are a huge influence on this band yeah yeah it's it's do you know what it's 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 funny as well because it's we've 
publicly shouting Maiden quite a lot on this, pub, on this podcast. I mean, I don't care for them. Yeah, but it's <laughs> not so much us, but like most of our guests set yeah. up shit yeah, yeah, yeah. on Maiden. No, I mean, we've yeah, actually got but... an even mix. I think we've had half people who are quite big fans. Yeah, it's 50-50. Yeah. I, I met Bruce Dickinson at a party once. He was a very, very nice gentleman. He was very, yeah. very good to me, very kind to me. Oh, there you go. Um, there you go. Yeah, he's, he's nice. Yeah, I just, I just don't really care for the music. I don't, I don't care for the... But it's the same thing that you can't understate how influential they are. Yeah. And like, and it's just, you know, like the twin, twin guitar melodies. I think even the bass as well, the way, the way Steve Harris kind of like, you know, almost attacks the bass as opposed to yeah. like, you know, like you... a lot of power chords and like he's, he's. Yeah. Have just... you ever heard British Lion? No. Steve Harris has a band, like a separate, his, his band. Oh, I've never heard this. Oh, thing. fuck dude. I got to show you. It's so fucking funny. Really? Yeah. He has this bad oh. British Lion and they've yeah. got like a fucking, like a, it's really bad, but they've got this album and the bass is just so high in the mix. Yeah, it's jarring how loud his bass is in the mix. Really, it sounds fucking terrible. I've got to show you. This. It's so is that funny. It's like his band. She was like, "Fuck it." <laughs> yeah. the, the bass is as fucking. Yeah, it's the, just, is the main it's, thing. It's here. just Steve Harris and there's like a bunch of people that could be like his nephews or something. Oh, and then mate. there's like a Creed style guy singing. It's so fucking funny, dude. Oh, mate, yeah, they're fucking... called British Lion. <laughs> Wow, that's, yeah. that's that's not a good name. Yeah, it's uh, you mentioned Creed. I don't give a shit. <laughs> some some Creed songs fucking slap in my opinion. <laughs> I've never listened but, to him. I always hated his voice. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. So, I guess I guess the thing is like a lot of a lot of these bands like they're a bit older than us. They grew up like I grew up like as much as Metallica were the first band. Of course, then there's the next wave. Like I was saying, like my first extreme bands were Obituary and Six Feet Under. And I was like, oh, this is the real shit. And that was when I started. So I still like Metallica, but I was like, oh, this is, what's, what's going on here? You know what yeah. I mean? I'm like, come on. You know, everyone's got that progression and you do get into the lighter stuff because there's more people into that shit. Vis-a-vis, yeah. -vis, there's more people to get you into that shit when you're growing up or whatever. Yeah. And then it's like, you know, it's like the weird kid in your neighborhood or your strange cousin or whatever. Like somebody's going to get you into the extreme stuff. Yeah. So I, I, yeah, and that's the thing, you know, like Maiden is that band where I'm like, oh, it's not relevant to me so much, you yeah. know, but you know, I, it's cool. And I get it that yeah. all these older people like them. And it was what got them further down the line into the morbid angels and the shit. You know? Exactly. It's, it's really, is like rungs on the ladder. And I think, you know, there's too much people like shitting on other people's music tastes. There seemed to be, it seemed to be more of an internet thing than a real life thing, if I'm being honest. That's true. I mean, I enjoy it. I like trolling and like yeah. fucking, but yeah, you've got to remember that like, people are passionate about we're passionate about this yeah. shit that's why we do it every week we fucking love metal yeah you know we we give a shit so other people give a shit and i love chatting shit but with other people that give a shit but like don't you think the best point you could reach in your musical journey is accepting the fact that you like music that's shit and it's so yeah. much more liberating it was just oh, yeah. i know this is shit but i love it yeah like six six, six feet under yeah i fucking love i unironically love yeah. six feet under yeah. and like but i know that they're shit yeah but I, I, I just love chris barnes i think he's yeah. great i can get that some people listen to some of the new albums and like, oh, this is terrible but when i first heard that shit i thought it was sick yeah. <laughs> he sounds yeah, like but, a cartoon dog yeah, there was a i think a finished <laughs> death metal band called a um oh, torture killer i think <laughs> And he was like, he was the, uh, he was the guest vocalist for like an album or so. Okay. He brought him in to do an album. And it's actually a pretty good album. Like it's... What, for uh, Six Feet Under? No, this is for a band called Torture Killer, I think. Brought who in? Oh, they brought Barnes in? Yeah, they, they oh. had Chris Barnes on vocals. For Wild, okay. Yeah. I mean, Barnes was untouchable in the, in the old days. Like the OG Cannibal Corpse stuff is fucking sick. Yeah. I remember when I was quite young, one of the first things I downloaded off LimeWire, it was like, it was like Cannibal Corpse Roots Bloody Roots. 
Yeah. And it sounds like it's just them playing it in like a concrete basement. But his fucking... I downloaded that off the line. His fucking vocals fuck? are so yeah. brutal. Yeah. I love them, man. It's like, I can see why they're kind of, they don't, they didn't hold up over the years. But yeah, like yeah. OG Cannibal Corpse, man. So yeah, good. good shit. And like, and I actually still think they're still... I love, new, I love new Cannibal Corpse as well, yeah. I have to say. I'm not shitting on Corpse Grinder because I love both guys, but yeah. They're another one of those bands where I think, because they, they are probably the most well-known death metal bands that I think it's, it's, it's kind of seen as well, not, I'm not sure okay is the right word but like commonplace to shit on can, cannibal corpse i feel like yeah but then i think it's actually come full circle to the point where i think people actually don't give them enough credit now i mean uh, they're a big band yeah right? they, they, they play they headline huge the bills yeah like, they're like know. nile like i don't understand how nile are so big when they're like very dissonant very kind of like yeah, yeah I, right I, it's weird how big nile are i think like they're good and stuff like their technical ability is incredible. I love like George Kalai's drumming and obviously uh, Sanders is like a great guitarist and stuff. And it's like, yeah, I don't know if it was just the, just the um, kind of the USP of the whole lyrical sub subject matter and stuff. But I remember the first time I listened to the first night album I listened to was Black Seeds of Vengeance. Yeah, it's a banger, man. And it's such a good album. Is that album, the one masturbating like, war It's God. so fast and the production is yeah. not accessible. Like nah. everything's muddy. Yeah, it's horrible. And it's just like, and yeah, I was thinking, right, this band's like, pretty successful and exactly what you were saying I'd, it didn't make much sense to me yeah as much as i liked it I, yeah 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 you know I um like, i love there's a great story you know phil uh phil wady from phil's breakfast metal oh yeah, yeah on one of his episodes he was saying that like niall were the first extreme band that he heard and he was like scared <laughs> and he was like i heard it and i didn't get it and yeah. i was like i know it's not bad but i'm not ready for it yeah, yeah. and um for me those that bands those bands were akakoka and morbid angel because ah, I heard, I heard Leviathan. Because I used to have it on Karani, the videos for Leviathan. Yeah, and uh, it's enshrined in grace. That single off of uh, Heretic. Yeah, I think yeah, the, the morbid right. album. No one likes, which is sick. By the no, way, it's such a great album. It's a really good album. Yeah. I don't understand why it's not bigger. But like, yeah, that I heard that like drop fucking G or whatever it is on 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 uh, enshrined in grace. And it's like, and you're hearing this like Trey fucking riffs, yeah. and like my brain was just like, I don't get it. That Trey, Trey, who is it? Yeah, Trey, Trey Azeg <laughs> That yeah. clip is hilarious. For those that don't know, there's a clip of Trey um, uh, pronouncing his name, or was it his Headbangers own name ball? on Headbangers Ball? And it's the fucking weirdest shit. And there was, a, it's not how I would have imagined his name is pronounced, but it was from his mouth, so I'm guessing that's how you pronounce. Yeah, Trey Azeg uh, His stage name. That's bizarre. But yeah, I'm trying to think what band it was for me. It's. Um, I don't know. First time I heard Converge Jane Doe, I was pretty blown away. I was blown away, but I I knew I liked it. Yeah, I liked away. it. Though. It didn't scare me away, but um, like, I, but it was close. It was on the line. Like yeah, Concubines. Definitely hearing that, you're like, what's going on, man? Death metal first pro probably was Cannibal Corpse. But like obituary, I got World. Dem it was World Demise and Warpath were the first two extreme metal yeah. albums I got, and like straight away I just got obituary. The, like there was nothing scary about obituary for yeah. me. It, it's hooky and heavy and there's nothing that makes you go, Oh, what the fuck yeah. is this? You know, there's some bands have that thing where they're like, and Niall, I like that. Yeah. You listen to them. You're like, Oh, what's going on? Why is this good? I know yeah. there's people like this band. Why that? What's going on? You know? Yeah. I actually thought the thing with Niall that I kind of picked up on was the fact that, um, I thought that it was strange how they had three vocalists and they're also low down in the mix. They have like, three vocalists? I thought it was yeah. just one guy. Well, well, Carl Sanders does like the proper... Oh, does he? I didn't know that Carl and Sanders then, um, sung. I thought he just played guitar. Okay. Yeah, Carl Sanders done like the super low, like almost like like mummy groaning style vocals. <laughs> and, then, and Dallas, when he was in the band, he done like yeah. the more like classic like grunts. And there okay. was... But yeah, like three, the, uh, whoever was in the band, the, the three, the two guitarists and bassists would share vocal duties. Like John Bassano, oh. when he was uh, playing for them, he would do he would do like the more mid range sort of screams. 
Okay. Um, but yeah, yeah, they've always had like uh, like three vocalists, and like I remember like Black Seeds of Vengeance. I was listening to it, and I'm like, it's. I was like, I could barely make out like what's going on vocally here. Yeah. But then in the Dark and Shrines came out, and that was a bit. The production was a lot better on that album. Yeah. So I was just like, okay, this is a bit more kind of clearly defined and a bit less chaotic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I mean, and speaking of like vocal chaos, like going back to phlebotomized here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying I was trying to figure out how to lead it back in, but that was a fun little interlude either way. <laughs> yeah, Tried try to do that as smoothly as possible. <laughs> um, yeah, you've got some strange uh, vocal mixes going on here. Like like I said, you've got Dennis, who I'm, I think I've seen a live clip of them performing some of the tracks when they reformed. I can't remember which members it was with. It okay. might have been a few more of the core members because it was okay. meant to be just like a one-off show. Okay, and yeah, yeah. that sounds recording. more likely. This has been yeah. back in maybe 2015 or 16. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and like, I do know that it is, because I think it is listed here. Yeah. Dennis Geestman. Um, yeah, obviously, Dennis Geestman is the one doing most of the vocals. I think Tom Palms does cover some of the vocals as well. That wouldn't surprise me, because, yeah, it seems like his band or whatever. So it kind of makes sense that he would kind of. I think he's doing everything there. that isn't like the death grunt. And I think the death grunts have always been done by someone else. Oh, okay. Um, but anyway, which track are we up to? We would just did the combo of In Search of Tranquility and Subtle Disbalance Liquidity. Yeah, great track. I love how furious Subtle Disbalance Liquidity is. Once again, just a blend into the synths. Yeah, we, we, um, we were listening to, um, we were listening, I was, um, Nina couldn't be here today, obviously. And, um, on the car before I dropped her off on the way here, uh, we were listening to this record and then like, uh, the the guitar of like in search of tranquility came on then this song came on and nina like i don't think she listens to this album much before but she was listening to this and like enjoying it for the first time it was really cool to see her reactions but yeah subtle disbalance liquidity came on and like when it kicked in she was like yeah, yeah. <laughs> she was like yeah this is sick yeah. this is a good riff <laughs> it's yeah just there's so many good riffs and good moments on this entire album what i find really cool about this track is um You've got like quite a kind of a subdued kind of like nice melodic lead to close off the track, but then it unexpectedly like launches into like a death metal outro. Yeah, yeah. It's like repeats like the refrain from the first like part of the song. It's, it's just like... the one where it's got like the cymbal hits and they sound like they're on a keyboard. They don't sound like the drummer. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah. weird. Yeah, yeah. it was just this weird '90s production because some of it's yeah. like it's just how they EQ'd a lot of stuff back then. It sounded quite weird, but yeah, it's kind of like it's like. It's quite funny. But yeah, it comes in. It's just like, whoa, you don't expect it to come back in the way it does. Yeah, and it just kind of hammers you home. It's really great. And then I think you've got the next track, Devoted to God, which I think is probably the most subdued track on the album. It's got a lot more kind of doomy chord progressions. Yeah, it is definitely. This one, I remember being quite doomy. And yeah. uh, almost had, I think at times, like with my limited musical knowledge, would say that it had almost like a bit of a Middle Eastern flair to it at certain points. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah maybe. Maybe not. Um, but yeah, just great placement of the track because I feel like um, Subtle Disbalance Liquidity is such an absolute raging, like schizophrenic beast of a track <laughs> that it needed a track with a bit more, that incorporated a bit more like the doomier elements. That, yeah. That, and, again, this is like going back to Disembowelment. This is a similar deal. There's the really, that, again, what makes this such a good album is it is very well, the songs are very well placed in order. It's very thought about. Some of the songs are really great on their own if you wanted to just listen to random songs on a playlist. But as an album, it's just a really nice listening experience start to finish. Yeah. And that is what you just mentioned is part of it. They really are consciously aware of how the song before it was in overall mood and sense of things like that. And they consciously have put this song here on the album, you know, yeah, knowing it just, that. It, it just enhances the listening experience so much because you're getting the full benefit of or the full full experience of what it is the band, the band is trying to uh, project. 
Um, and then once again, just going back to the vocals, because I just, I love like the cadence of the death metal vocals as well. Like, uh, I love it when, similar to what I was saying last week when we were reviewing uh, Immolation, like with Ross from Immolation, I love how you could still be guttural, but still enunciate the words pop. Yeah, um, properly and have like that <laughs> properly. Ironically, <laughs> me really and not, not enunciating yeah. words properly. And then it's like that full-bodied sound. Kind of reminds me of um, uh, Bo from Ill Disposed and Panzer Christ. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. He's got yeah, a similar yeah, yeah. sound grunt. It's a very full-bodied he, Yeah, he's very full-bodied and you can hear what he's saying yeah, as well. Especially yeah. in the uh, intro to uh, Room Service. <laughs> room Service. Love it. But it's, uh, Damn, that's, yeah. another, that's another one for the fucking book. Oh, that'd be a great yeah, one to do. <laughs> yeah, we've got to bring Panzer Christ in the fold. Oh, it's just... It's <laughs> <laughs> the albums are legit amazing. I love Panzer Christ. Yeah. Um, and then you then, so after Devoted to God, you then uh, treat it I just to... quickly want to say, I, I really like yes. the, the song name Devoted to God. It reminds me of, there's a, um, there's a Meads of Asphodel song called The Man Who Killed for God. Oh, and I thought that that's like, uh, that's a little bit like, this is kind of along the similar kind of line. And I, I really thought that was like, I, I love Meads of Asphodel. They're yeah. really, be- they're very like bolt for They're very kind of like, they're like, their whole thing is like, fuck Christianity, fuck war, fuck the Crusades. They're another band that like had a bit of a, a, and a people presence f- of the scene for a while, right? Yeah. But then just kind of dropped off. Well, the thing about, I mean, they're like a studio project. They yeah. never really played. They never really, they never wrote to play live. They always write like this labyrinthian doesn't really make a lot of sense in a live context a lot of the stuff they do and they know that when they're doing it on purpose there's a lot of collaboration and stuff yeah but yeah there's you know it's it's you i think you mentioned it previously like um this anti-god rhetoric can become very like kind of clownish and a, a lot of black metal bands are just like they're just kind of like the lyrics aren't very good yeah. You know, and they're like, ah, fuck you, Christians. You know, and I it's like, yeah, Christianity is bad and has done bad things. But that a lot of those people that have done those bad things are also people who are living in an unchristian like manner. Yeah. You know, but that's also who you have an issue with. It's not the people, it's not necessarily Christianity. It's like those people that are fucking liars, you know, those yeah. people that will say stealing is wrong and then go and get a bunch of people to put money in a collection plate that they'll go and spend on an expensive car for themselves. Exactly. That's stealing. Right. <laughs> you know? like the, their, their false sense of Christianity or religion yeah. is just the vessel that they're using yeah. to perpetrate their own greed, really. Yeah. So it's, it's people, in essence, is who you have the issue with. So you're 100% yeah. right there. And I think that's, that's what I really like about um, that Meads of Asphodel or something like The Man Who Killed for God. Yeah. And it's like, when you really lay that down to the bear, you know, it's like, oh, I'm doing this for you, God. I've got to bring enlightenment to these savages. Yeah. And in the Bible, it's like, you know, thou shall not kill. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's like, mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so like, yeah. But devoted to God seems to be about like, um, looking at the lyrics, it's more about like being like a monk and like wasting your life in like quiet um, supplication yeah. and just like never knowing if you're ever going to even be acknowledged or if like you've just wasted your time on earth, which... And then, like, you know, Christianity has always just been a tool to kind of control lots of people. Yeah. Uh, religion, sorry. You know, a lot of the time it's just like, okay, I can yeah. get a bunch of people to kind of move in an orderly fashion and do shit. And it's yeah. like, yeah, it's very interesting. No, it's true. And it's like, you know, if to, to, to bring in a, a favorite of ours, if you look at Brian Head Welsh, guitarist from Corn, <laughs> yeah. and reading an interview, or uh, sorry, watching an interview of him once um, where he was saying, like, his faith is like far more spiritual, is is more steeped in um, like organized religion or organized Christianity. Yeah. And it's like, you know, accepting the fact that religion, you know, whether or not the things that they say are going to happen are true or not, it's still a paradigm of moral ethics that gives yeah. you a base good, a base 
values to live by that are essentially yeah. good and ethical. Yeah. And it's like, you know, and he kind of just describes like religion for him as just like his spirituality to whatever this deity is, like whether or not you're ever going to even find out what it is. Yeah. Is, is, an, is one thing. But, you know, it's like you can't deny the fact that, you know, like it's the fact that we're even here discussing like things like albums and music is just a biological miracle when you look at the, the, the scale of the universe. Yeah. Like it's, it's we're an anomaly and like, you know, yeah. there's probably other 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 planets out there and civilizations and stuff you know like and, and like millions of miles away but like at the end of the day like you know i i do think that's why a lot of people find it so easy to um derive comfort from their faith because i think yeah. it's one it gives them that sense of purpose but two it also helps them i think quantify um the bizarre nature of us even being alive of existence yeah <laughs> Like yeah. it's, it's wild when you think about it yeah and like you know the, the odds of us even being here as who we are are like insurmountable when you think of like the amount of sperm that travel towards an egg <laughs> it's like <laughs> so i yeah. just happen to be the I one just, that, the um, champion won the sperm. race yeah. the first and last time i ever won yeah. a race yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's true yeah but I think, yeah, yeah it's, it's super interesting. Yeah, I like I think like there's obviously like a distaste for religion that's very prevalent. It's like a, it's almost like a constant theme, and this I and mean, it's it's like an interesting comparison between the two because there's obviously like a bit of a distaste. Like 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 I'm saying that like what I like so much about disembowelment is it almost like although it does acknowledge Christianity in a couple of places throughout the lyrics and stuff, it almost completely fails to recognize it as any kind of system with any kind of anything that you should respect or something which gives yeah. it that whole dreamy atmosphere because it feels like well i'm you know i know all that stuff's out there yeah whereas like this is like there's there's that rock and roll kind of like fuck these broken institutions feel yeah. to this thing like the this the album the people that made this album nymphobotomized like they're passionate and they care about, they want everyone to be happy. They want a society where people can look out for each other and support their family and all this kind of stuff. And they're kind of taking aim at what they see to be, you know, as kind of negative, you yeah. know, things. And they're kind of that, yeah. And they kind of come come out good. Well, I think it. the interesting point is, is that according to, um, I think, the liner notes in, um, in online, the lyrics were actually written by the drummer, Lawrence Payne. No way, that's interesting. Which is, which is strange because you look at the track listing on this album and say the track listing on Sky Contact. Yeah. And not only is there a noticeable shift in um, musical direction, but like lyrically, like, because obviously there's a lot of song titles on here that are very, you know, traditionally kind of death metal sound and subtrack uh, uh title tracks like yeah, yeah, yeah. a desecration of alleged christian they uh even like subtle disbalance liquidity that sounds like a you know, like a death metal track <laughs> that um, makes me think of that um queen's song silently city oh yeah, silently city, yeah. <laughs> is the game over or has yeah. it just begun <laughs> <laughs> but it's um it's it's funny because i feel like you know just just quickly one last point i want to make on the whole like anti-christian rhetoric is you know, there's a few bands that have done it and made it their thin, and it's worked well for them. Like Deicide, for example. Yeah, like Deicide rock, dude. Yeah, that's their shtick, and <laughs> yeah. they're the ones that yeah. kind of like really propagated it and have made. Yeah. I mean, I'm like the dude. Let me give you the full... name of the band, right? Yeah. Kill God. I mean, yeah, that, and he's went full hog and got yeah. an inverted crucifix, it's fucking, fucking branded onto his head. That shit rules. I don't care. <laughs> so, like, you know, like he's committed. Yeah. Like, but when other bands like, do God. it, it's just like, oh, what should we write lyrics about? Oh, let's just do that. Let's just do Satanism more. <laughs> I get, I get why it's. Um, I, I completely understand why a lot of American bands end up going that way because a lot of American 
conservative Christian values are fucking galling if you have to live with yeah. them. Like if you come from the Midwest or something or Texas and you fucking grew up around a lot of those people having to go to church and stuff, I'd probably be pretty pissed too. Like yeah. I ended up going to a couple of churches when I was younger and I was just like, fuck this shit. Yeah. But also as I grew up, I was like, oh, there's a lot more to existence than just hating Christianity. So that's yeah. why it's not my constant It's not focus. worth the effort, is it? That's the oh, really? It's more I mean, productive yeah. things you could be doing. Yeah, it's just like, I've also met a whole bunch of Christians who are really nice people yeah. and like live by the word of God and they're not doing any harm to anyone. Yeah. So like, I don't hate those people. It's just like any religion. It's like some people are like, oh, I hate Muslims. And it's like, no, you hate the bad ones. Yeah. They're good ones you haven't met yet who are yeah. really kind people, who are really nice yeah. and actually live by the word of the Quran. And even if there's something in there that's, you know, they don't like it, they don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's just like, you know, it's just going back to that thing is that what you hate is evil people. And, yeah. And, and Everyone should hate evil people <laughs> and dickheads. That's the, the basic. That, the, the one time I ever went to church, it was... Um, it was at my cousin for a bit. Well, he will remain unnamed, but he knows who he is. Um, not like he watches us anyway. <laughs> but um, he um, he had a little phase where he was like into going to church for a bit. And I don't know, maybe a few of his friends were into it and he just got into it by proxy. Yeah. And um, I was visiting him in Scotland. just like, oh, please come, please come. And I was like, oh, okay. sounds really boring. And he was just like, right. At the time, McDonald's had just launched like the supersized things. Okay. It was just like, if you come, I'll buy you a supersized strawberry milkshake. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm fucking Damn. sold. Yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. I'm done. Like, I was like, I'm, I'm in. About- <laughs> and it was, it was the longest two hours of my life, I must say. It was, it was fucking mind-numbingly boring. I don't care. But then again, you. it's not for me. I, I didn't go there with any intention of, of receiving the words was, of Christ yeah, yeah, or yeah. being enlightened. I yeah. went there with, I need to sit through this to, to get my milkshake. <laughs> to get my milkshake. That's it. And you did. And you got your yeah, goddamn no, milkshake. Yeah. yeah. So nice. I've got Jesus to thank for that, that, that milkshake. <laughs> Thanks for the milkshake, Jesus. Right, should we move on to the next track? Do we do Mellow of the Reverberations? That is the, that's, that's the last one. proper track, I would say, because the last one's more of yeah. like, the, it's, it's a great track, but it's more of like a kind of like a, a closing kind of ballad. Oh, the lyrics uh, I think this, this one last wild. track incorporates all their other, all their main elements anyway. Yeah. Um, and it starts with quite a cool, like almost, I'd say like post-metal-esque kind of clean passage mm. for like the violins kick in again. And one thing I really like about this track and the band in general is the way they build atmosphere and suspense. It's obviously it's in the name of the title. It's obviously yeah, immense, yeah. intense suspense. Yep. Actually, three words you can what use a weird to describe album the name. album. Yeah, 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 it's true. So I don't know if that's something that was deliberately done, but like there's something cool they really do where they um, where the electric, the chords on the electric guitar are kind of building, but then it just cuts out. Yeah. And they do that a few times before it actually does like eventually kick in. And they do a great job of kind of subverting your expectations of when like a drop or like a riff is about to come in. And it's normally like a good 30 seconds later than you think. So you're just totally on your toes a lot of the time with this band. Yeah, it's a very, it's very apt. It's a very strange album name, but it's also very apt. And it really works. Absolutely. It doesn't, when you know the album, it doesn't seem weird. Nah. But yeah, the lyrics to this song are interesting. Um, oh, go on, let's hear them. Eyelids fall, and, uh, yeah, eyelids fall and shut, soon to reach fantasy. Capture the angel's hand to flow towards blissful ecstasy. She placed her hand in mine simply indoctrinated pre-serenity let this heavenly warmth forever be mellow are the river oh, i'm not going to miss that bit yeah where was it i was looking at it yeah mellow are the reverberations a jewel of impeccable grace uh, a stroke of the finest lace nature happily hums its tune the sunnier the weather the greater the joy the great waterfall bows over the caves, seemingly roofless, yet a pleasing immensity. It's like weird. It's like going into like nature shit, but then there's this kind of thing of like, I'm holding hands with an angel. It's really strange. I love it. Yeah, it's just, it's just fucking, it just sounds like they're having fun. So like yeah. you're saying, right? But it's not, but again, it's not goofy. It's not fucking dumb. I don't know what it is. Oh, this is interesting. Every, uh, 
A reprobative locality. Black is all that I can see. A reprobative locality. A cave dweller one was meant to be. I wonder if that's a reference to the figure on the album cover. Oh. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I always just presumed it was Gollum. I don't know why. It's just it looks, so <laughs> it looks very Gollumish. But there's it? no references at all to Lord of the Rings on no, this album. So. No, no, no. <laughs> Thankfully, man, when I listen to Led Zeppelin and he's like, the evil Gollum stole that ring, I'm like, this shit sucks. I love Zeppelin, but when he starts talking about Lord of the Rings shit, I'm like, this sucks. It's. It, it's <laughs> It's a very, um, it's a very hackneyed trope now. There's a lyrical theme. Yeah, like Blind Guardian. I will say I like when Blind Guardian do it, but like it's not the thing itself. It's like the way he does it. But yeah, I guess it's because it's like looking back. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure there's other bands. That I think it well. lends well to power metal as a theme, which is why I like when Blind Guardian do it. And but there's so many black metal bands that do it as well, and so many bands that took their name from you know Goldroth, yeah, yeah. Burzum, yeah, and Monomath, yeah, yeah. Oh shit! Is that is that from it as well? Yeah, Mount Doom. Of course it is. Yeah. yeah. What's Cinderin the other one? Not Dolgoldur. What's the yeah? There's another yeah. band like that. That's a, yeah, there's a Summoning album. I mean, Summoning as oh, well. Oh, Serious I mean, Ungol. That's what I was thinking. Most of their of. albums are Lord of the Rings based. Yeah, yeah, They've yeah. Got, like okay. yeah, like Dolgoldur and yeah. Yeah. Isengard. Oh, obviously Fenris is other bands called Isengard as well. No, oh, is it? Yeah, I didn't know that. Good. Yeah, yeah, it's quite, <laughs> quite a good project. That's cool. But yeah, um, so yeah, this last track, well, second last track, Mellow the Reverberations. Uh, they've got some Peter Steele-esque cleans here as well. There's some really typo negative sounding guitar in this album. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really, I totally meant to make a note of that and didn't. Yeah, yeah, it really sounds, but I guess this, this would be pre-typo, wouldn't it, I guess? Would it? I mean, I'm, I'm not, I see, I'm not a big typo fan. I've oh, never dude, been too into them, so I'm not... Yeah. Like the chrono- the chronology of their albums, I am not clued up on. I just I just like typed in typo negative. One of the top top Google searches, typo negative racist. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't think they are. I, I do uh, love that clip of uh, Peter Steele on the uh, Jerry Springer show. I yeah, I love, just, I love it. Charming guy. I think the thing is, like, people just don't get it. He 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 had this very. He was very New York, and he was very like kind of like sarcastic. He was super stuff. sarcastic, yeah. And I think he the, like it, his comedy and the way he told jokes and stuff didn't age very well. Like, yeah. if you don't know who he is, it can come across as very like different. If you look at it in the context of the world we live in today. When did uh, Bloody Kisses come out? Bloody Kisses came out in 1993, interestingly enough. Okay. Is there a bit? See, this is super interesting looking at these and going, oh, never mind, came out in 91. Yeah. <laughs> but it's really interesting to look at it in the context of when certain albums and stuff came out. So this, yeah, was the year after. Again, doubt very much it was directly influenced. It's probably more about, because uh, I wonder sometimes as well, you've got to think about um, on certain years, certain gear became available on the market, certain guitar gear. So there would have been certain years where like a particular phaser pedal would have become available for sale and people yeah. would be like, oh, I want that. Yeah. You know, so it might just be that they like both use the same phaser pedal. Yeah. And that's kind of why it sounds similar. And it's probably nothing to do with a di- they, I doubt very much that for what my like, oh, we want this bit to sound like typo. Yeah. Again, considering the album came out the year before. Um, but yeah, like super interesting. But it is very, you, if you listen to this album, you know typo negative, you'll know the bit, bits I mean. Like there's certain parts where the, yeah, like just the way it feels, it's so lush, the guitars, and it's so this, the all the best bits of like typo negative guitar kind of really are kind of in this as well. Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting way to look at um, like how like bands sound because I suppose yeah it makes complete sense right with the whole gear aspect yeah. of why so many bands that why there's you you've got like pockets of styles and sounds within a certain region or time frame like it yeah. just makes complete sense yeah it's like yeah it's really interesting because now you've got like um, uh, so there was like a big thing uh, with like the Gothenburg the Gothenburg sound was there's Studio Friedman. 
which recorded like in flames and all of those bands and at the gates and stuff back in the day he pioneered a particular technique of recording two microphones at a particular angle pointed at a cabinet in a particular way oh, okay and he like he invented his own mic holder to put on the thing so you could put them it's like a very particular thing that people weren't really doing yeah and then um yeah studio friedman like pioneered that technique and then um that kind of became like the groundwork for like what everyone does with that kind of music now and how yeah. we kind of do that. It's, yeah, it's super interesting, like going through those certain things. And of course now a lot of stuff is just kind of digital and people use um, reamping, which is where you would record like your guitar directly into a computer. So you have like the clean, just you playing the actual guitar without any distortion or anything on it. And then what you can do is feed the signal back out of um, out of the the computer into an amplifier so you can like i can record in the uk and send it to a guy in australia who can play the my guitar tracks out of his computer into his like 5150 pv amp yeah and record it in his room so he's still getting a mic'd up guitar but yeah. i've played all the bits and i've played it along to a click track so yeah. he knows exactly so you can still get like mic top room guitars recorded on the other side of the world yeah you know which obviously you just couldn't do at this point in history yeah. So there's like all this innovation and like there's not really a good argument for why you shouldn't do that apart from like live recording and wanting to get a band all in one go, which is yeah. something I'm a big fan of and something yeah. we did on the first Lowen album. But I suppose you've got, I think now, I think suppose things like uh, Carbon Footprint, I suppose if you've got band members that are spanning, you know, like vast parts of the world, yeah. like, you know, it's just not really logical to get together to do it. I mean, yeah. It's, I mean, but it's, but you know, there is something cool. And I think we talked about this when we reviewed it like a year ago or whenever it was, when we reviewed uh, Jane Doe by Converge. Mm. Like the, it's so interesting to hear how they recorded the album. <sighs> it's so punk. It's so DIY. And they had things like, you know, like fucking, I can't remember if it was Kurt or Jacob because they were in such a cramped room. One of them was able to help choke the cymbals. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, other yeah. Was, and it was just like, just sounded yeah. so fucking like, and Hectic. when you listen to the album, just like, yeah, this sounds like, messy and chaotic yeah. but like yeah. still very skillfully played i mean it, it's it's super interesting i love someone again on heavy hole i can't remember who it was but i was listening to it oh, i think it was paul Rydell actually he was saying that um from blood incantation and he was saying they recorded all of um uh hidden history hidden, hidden, hidden history of the human race that's, that's the, the big one, one yeah. right the yeah the they recorded that all on tape live oh, no way. yeah it's not digital yeah, that's why. It's, that's why I think that's part of why everyone was like, "Whoa, this album fucking rules!" Yeah, because he was like, "Tape just sounds better," and he's like, "It it just does." Like it's like digital recording is really good and accurate, and it's like it's like no one's saying it's shit, but there's just this extra like phantasmal thing you get out of recording to tape. Like it's less convenient, absolutely, but if you're a band that know your shit and you've rehearsed and you're all in the same room. And you record all that shit. You can still overdub guitars over the stop to do all the stuff you can't actually physically play in one go. But there's just this extra nascent X factor that you do get out of recording to tape. It's a complete fucking pain in the ass, but it's worth it, man. And a lot of these albums we're reviewing, I wonder how much of it was like, I wonder how much of disembowelment was digital. I don't know how early people were really using yeah. Pro Tools and stuff. I think, well, because I suppose they say the, well, they say the Black Album is what the apex of analog recording, isn't it? Mm. And then, so I think it's not long after the Black Album that that digital recording started becoming um, more prevalent. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I mean, definitely you know, do not know enough you know, about uh, production uh, and engineering. Damn, to, to Black know Album when. was ninety one. Damn, it was ninety one. That's wild, man. That's crazy. <laughs> but it's like, Fucking, you know, can you imagine Nevermind and Black Album coming out in the same year? 
That's wild. Yeah, that's, that's two crazy. of the most famous, popular albums of all time. Both came out yeah. still around the same. That's a black album. Down is about ninety three, ninety four. Like yeah, my, me too. My, yeah, my I was right ninety five. Yeah, but it's that's cool what you say about the Blood Incantation album because like I think for a lot of people that are into death metal when they first heard it, they were just like, oh my god, this sounds like old school Morbid Angel. Yeah, right. And that's part of why. Yeah, yeah. So, that's but sick. I was going to say, you know, when we were listening to, I think we went back and we were like talking about a bunch of like new metal songs that we like kind of liked, you know, you know, yeah. ironically or whatever. And we would go back and like listen to some of them. We were like, God damn, this sounds like dog shit. Like the recording, there would be no depth to the fucking riffs. Yeah. There was just nothing there. It was all just compressed as fucking tinny. Yeah. And there's just nothing going on there. Yeah. It's just like really, yeah, it's really interesting. But again, like going to these like early 90s bangers, a lot of this stuff was like, I don't know. I don't know. You can only assume it was on tape or, or at least it wasn't, it wasn't all digital to the point of like strangling the complete life out of everything. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. You, yeah, you would think that there was some more organic elements, even if there was like a, a, a bit of digital kind of like involvement. It's, uh, well, it's why I'd love to be a fly on the wall for when a lot of these albums recorded. are recorded, right? Yeah. I think that is like the, the dream for a lot of like metal fans to actually have been there when shit was laid down. Yeah. Oh, did you ever watch that um, documentary I, I linked you to that Morbid Angel recording? No, oh, no, no. That's no. so fucking interesting, dude. No. Watch that. It's insane, the shit they were doing to try yeah. and, they were like, there was like they invented one bit of gear just for this Morbid Angel album, yeah, to do something that couldn't be done before that point. Which album was this? I can't, it was like uh, I think it was like the Sickness. What's the fucking one of the ones that no one ever talks about? Formulas. Yeah, that one. Formulas have made fails of the flesh. Yeah, yeah, yeah that one. Yeah, no, that's cool. I'll definitely check that out. Yeah, it's really cool. Right, should we round it out here with the yeah, last think, track? I on think this we're album? done, man. We've probably, I don't know how long we've done, but I think it's a long one. Yeah, it is a long one indeed. So, last track, just simply titled Gone. Uh, there's, there's another song I really love called Gone, also done by Catatonium from the Discouraged One album. Yeah, so yeah. It's another yeah. album, another time, the second time I've mentioned that album. Um, and, you know, this is another short song, Sean. Sean. <laughs> so I could tell it's getting late. I'm just like, I'm mispronouncing everything. Oh, fuck, it's um, two o'clock. When did that happen? It was like 10.30 a minute ago. Yeah, I know. I didn't realise it got yeah, so yeah. late. Jesus Christ. Oh, time, time's flew. It's this song I don't think should really work because the vocals, it's like, it's that strange Hetfield kind of like <laughs> crooning and it's like over dramatic and like over enunciated. But I'm I not big on it. this one. Yeah, you love it. That's good. Okay, yeah. cool. No, yeah, I not... love it. I think it's great. Awesome. I, it's, awesome. And I actually do think it's got a fair amount of emotion to it. Like, especially when like the impassioned, like kind of harsh, uh, like semi-harsh yells come into it. I think it's actually a really good like closer to the album. So mm. I think it's... Uh, it's just kind of like uh, the uh, the cherry on top of the cake because it's <laughs> it's a relatively simplistic song uh, compared to like the tracks that have come before yeah, it, which absolutely. have been so frenetic and schizophrenic. So it's it's so good to just have like a bit more of a mellow and kind of emotive closer. To, yeah, uh, to round it all off. To a bonkers album. Yeah, and again, it kind of nicely brings it back to those early kind of crooning albums and the, the vocals in the album as well. Yeah. Kind of brings it full circle. It's really nice. But yeah, what a great album. But it's just absolutely fantastic. And, you know, I think there's definitely, man, there's so many albums we can explore. I feel like like Kathio Flame yeah. is, is a must. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, no, I think that is everything I have to say about the album. Have you got any closings? Uh, I love it. Check it out. Listen to it. Buy it on Bandcamp for free because they, they'll, they'll put it on all the streaming services. But I'm sure these these guys really would appreciate the likes and follows. They're kind of they're giving it up again for bottomized. I think they're playing Brutal Assault. I'm not sure if they're playing Hellfest. I can't remember, but they're starting to play gigs again. And I, I just love it when bands like this come out of out of retirement, even if it's like only a couple of original members. I think that they deserve the support. I think any artist that created a piece of work like I mean, if Disembowelment came out of retirement and in like 
like half the guys went in the but I wouldn't give a shit. I would still just be trying to go and see them and support them because they have made incredible bits of art and I really think they deserve the support. So yeah, go and yeah, chuck them, yeah. chuck them some likes, chuck them some things because I promise you these both these albums are hundred percent worth checking out. Yeah, definitely. Like, if you aren't if it isn't already, you're thin. I think there's just something any fan of extreme music or death metal can appreciate from both totally. these albums. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, anyway, let us know what you think of these albums, or Please. if there's any other albums or hidden gems you want us to discover. It's I'm always up for listening to new bangers. Yeah, recommendations would be interesting. You got any '90s death metal bangers? Oh, Crimson Thorn. Crimson Thorn. Oh, we should do a Christian episode of Crimson Thorn and Paris Paramecia. <laughs> yeah, that'd be that'd, that'd be, be mental. Yeah. 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 It's like because the thing is, I think even to this day, there's so many albums like from that that 1990 to 98 period that yeah. just went completely under the radar. Yeah, totally, dude. Yeah, so, and I think not not enough people talk about them. More yeah. people talk about them, more people listen to them. You know, exactly. Yeah. But thank you very much for watching. If you sat through all what two and a half hours, I think that was all in. Yeah, I don't care, man. This episode yeah. was for us. Yeah, <laughs> <that's> true. <laughs> if people like it, I don't give a shit. <laughs> but like, subscribe, all that good social media shit, and I will see you all on the next episode. Peace out. Peace.